Hey, welcome back to the As You Are podcast. It's the third week of Advent, and we're talking about joy today. So this is a really fun one. We're going to dive into some history about King David. So if you don't remember who he is, we're going to give you a whole background on him. And we're going to talk about the first people that heard about Jesus's birth. Hey, y'all. Happy end of exams. I hope that you're listening to this snuggled up under a blanket at home or wherever you are for the holidays. Some people go to like the beach for Christmas and I think that's awesome. Yeah. If you're traveling, enjoy. That's so fun. I'm jealous. Um, But yes, happy end of exams. Y'all did it. I know it's a big relief and hope that y'all can just take the next few weeks to relax and unwind and try not to fill your schedules too much. I feel like I hear often from yes. girls like, Christmas break was so busy. So you can control that. <laughs> so true. <laughs> we have made it to the third week of Advent, which is the week where we talk about joy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to read a little excerpt <laughs> on the third Sunday and the third candle of Advent. The third candle of Advent symbolizes joy. As we continue to approach Christmas Day, our joy grows more and more. It takes us back to the joyful anticipation of the shepherds who journeyed to see Jesus in Bethlehem, even before the wise men. On this third Sunday of Advent, which the church calls Gaudet Sunday, meaning rejoice or praise, we light the third candle and rejoice like the shepherds. For this reason, it's called the shepherd's candle. The color is pink, the liturgical color for joy. So if you're keeping up with the colors of the candles, this is the only pink one, which I think is fun. All the other ones are purple, which which represents royalty, and I love that too. But this one kind of stands out. And growing up, it always stood out to me because it meant we were getting really close to Christmas. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's interesting. Like we made it to the pink one. As we were talking about joy just now, I was thinking about how each week, like hope, peace, joy – Each of those words has um, what I would say like a cultural counterpart. Like hope could be wishing Mm. and peace could be, I don't know, calm. I don't know. And joy could be happiness. But the words hope, peace, and joy carry so much more depth than wishing calm and happiness. Like... It's just interesting to see and to think about how because of Jesus and because he was born and because he died and we can have life with him, there's a greater depth that we get to experience. And we know that happiness and joy are not one of the same because happiness is circumstantial and joy is something that's promised to us outside of our circumstances. Um, Yeah. I don't know. It's just as you were The minute you said joy, I was like, that's so interesting to think about is like our culture wants to try and equate the two, like especially joy and happiness. And I feel like around this time of year, everybody's searching for happiness. But really what they're searching for is joy, because ultimately, even though it's Christmas time, life doesn't stop. And we know there are things that are happening in the world that are hard, but Jesus promises us joy despite our circumstances. And that is a promise that we can cling to. Yep. I also love how these 
words. There's so much more than words, obviously, mm-hmm. but it's what we're reflecting on during the Advent season. Yeah, they're, they're promises. Yes, promises. And they're building on each other. Hope is something, it's like a starting point. Mm-hmm. Um, it gives you the ability to persevere. You know yeah. what I mean? And peace it's just like one step further. I don't really know exactly how to explain it. It's like, okay, you start with hope and then you start recognizing that you have this peace and it builds into joy, which then next week and as we're getting closer to Christmas and celebrating what Jesus came to bring, it gets closer to love, us Mm -hmm. loving the kind of love that Jesus gives to us. Mm -hmm. It's not circumstantial and it's not conditional. It's it's just deep love that flows from the way that he loves us. And so, yeah, I love that we're building towards something during Advent. And actually, speaking of building towards something, we're in the middle of the story. Yeah. And this is where it starts to get exciting. So I, I think we're going to pick up at um, Luke 2, mm-hmm. 8 through 21. So will you read that, Anna? I'd love to. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. But the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and laying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has passed, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. I love this part of the story. Me too. And I think it's special for lots of reasons, but what we wanted to talk about today was kind of breaking down some of the the things that are happening in this story that we've heard for so many years, and so we kind of gloss over them, mm-hmm. but actually have a very interesting cultural meaning for those days. Um, We're going to start, since the candle is referenced as the shepherd's candle, by talking about the shepherds. Um, So, we... I mean, do you know any shepherds, Anna? (laughs) (laughs) Do you know anyone that keeps sheep? (laughs) I surely do not. I don't either. Michael and I um, went to New Zealand a few years ago, and we were singing in a wedding. It was it was probably the best day of my life. I got an email, and they were like, this is so random. Would you ever consider coming to New Zealand to sing in our wedding? Oh and I was gosh. like, would I consider? Amazing. <laughs> yes. But one of the things we noticed when we were there, and 
we asked people about this because I've never seen anything like it. Every field is just filled with sheep. And there's some sort of stat. I mean, I'm not going to try to quote it exactly, but there are more sheep than humans in New Zealand. What? And yes, it's wild. And it looks so magical. Everywhere we went, like our Airbnbs, there would be just like sheep in the backyard in in fences and everything. So, right. I mean, I'm sure that in New Zealand, there are lots of shepherds. But we don't really think about that these days. Um, I don't know anybody personally that raises or keeps sheep. But for the context of this story and in the in the New and Old Testament, shepherds were considered um, dirty. They were outcasts. They We've talked about a lot being ritually clean or unclean, and they were considered ritually unclean by what they did. And so they were kind of the lowest of low. And this is who God decides to send Mm -hmm. the angels to, to tell about Jesus first. And they're the people that see Jesus first. Yeah. They're invited to see Jesus, which is so crazy. Like, of, and it's cool because angels are obviously messengers from God. Like, it's not like they he- right. heard, like, oh, grumblings about it. Like, no, they were literally the first people that God told, hey, yep. my my son is here. Go meet him. Which is such a picture of what he actually cares about. Yeah. Which I think is so cool. We have so many, I'm sure all of us have kind of assumptions that we've made about God over the years and fears that we have about him and even things that we've kind of created in our own head that aren't actually true about him. But when we look at this story and Jesus's life where he's basically saying, I'm here to show you what the father is like, he comes to the lowly and doesn't care about our status or If we are, I think it's cool that he doesn't care if they were ritually clean. He cares about their heart, but he doesn't care about like the pomp and circumstance of the world, like the the rules that people around us create. He cares about our hearts. Right. And hopefully too, that helps. Like, I think it's easy to, when we have definitely shared this on the podcast before, but it's always helpful to, as a reminder, like we can often feel like we need to clean ourselves up or act a certain way before coming to God. And this is like the perfect example of how untrue that is. Like the shepherds were dirty. They probably smelt really bad. Like they spent all their days in a field. They were like, like they were the lowest in society, but also think about that. Like at your universities, like they weren't the cool kids. They weren't, the ones that get asked on all the date parties, like they were not cool and people did not want to be around them. And yet they were invited first. And so hopefully that takes the pressure off of us to feel like we have to measure up, you know, that's just not, that's not reality. I totally agree. Yeah. I I mean, he could have sent the message straight to the priest, like the people that have been, like on paper, the most devout and the most honoring of God in their own eyes. Like they really spent their whole life thinking that they were honoring God. And one of the things that Jesus came to say is the law that you're following is not complete because Mm -hmm. it's not 
getting all the way through to your heart. Right. And so I want to show you what God is really about. And I want to, I mean, he describes himself as the good shepherd. Do you have that verse, Anna? Yes. So in John, which we've covered the book of John before, if you haven't listened, you should go listen to that podcast series. But Jesus has seven I am statements. And one of them is where he's calling himself, I am the bread of life. I am salt. I am light. But he says, I am the good shepherd. And I never really thought about that before. But this morning, as we were preparing for um, this podcast and thinking about the shepherds being the first ones invited to the manger, I think it's significant and really cool that Jesus in John chapter 10 verses 14 and 15, he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. It's amazing. Jesus is so cool. the first people to meet Jesus and then our shepherds, and he's also calling himself a shepherd. When you think about what that means, like imagine this. So Jesus is in the middle of his ministry, and he is the Messiah. He is the person they've been waiting mm-hmm. for that is going to be the king of Israel and save them. And the thing that he describes himself as is a shepherd. Yeah. <laughs> they would have all been like, ew, because what they were expecting him to say is I am the, you know, the mightiest king mm-hmm. and everyone will fall under me or whatever. But he's saying, I'm the good shepherd that lays down my life for the sheep. Mm-hmm. I just feel like that is, I mean, if that doesn't tell you anything, if you know nothing else about God and about Jesus, like that is such a powerful statement. Yeah. And it makes me just want to draw closer to him. Like one of the things I know about shepherds, especially in those days, is is that a lot of times they would sleep with their sheep. Yes, I was about to say that. Yes. So they were just like very Yeah. And like you said, they would lay down their life for the sheep. And if if one went away, they would leave all of the other ones kind of in their safety and he would go after it and find it. We talked about, um, we've talked about this once on the podcast, but you mentioned Anna that, that if, a if a particular sheep like had this propensity to like stray mm-hmm. and kept leaving and he would obviously all, always go back to find that sheep, the shepherd would, but at a certain point, the shepherd would have to make a decision, like, this sheep is ke- is going to keep wandering off into danger. And so what I'm going to do to kind of protect them is break their legs, yeah. which sounds so awful and so hard. But I'm going to break their legs and carry them hmm. so that there's a bond that's being built while you're healing. And then when they would heal they would stay close to the shepherd because they had built this like trusting relationship with them. And when I think about that and I think about Jesus describing himself as a shepherd, knowing all these different things that shepherds would do to protect and nurture their sheep, it just makes me see all the things that have happened in my life and in my walk with him in in that light. And it Mm -hmm. feels really, really comforting to me. I love that. And it is so true, like the level of devotion that the shepherds have, the fact that Jesus is comparing himself to that should should bring us comfort. Like we have somebody yeah. who is caring for us on such an intimate level that so intimate that like he is 
like Jesus comparing himself to a shepherd, the shepherd sleeps next to their sheep. Like they, they care for them day in and day out and through the night. And yeah, hopefully that brings some comfort. Um, but one of, I know if you've been following along with the Advent podcast, one thing we've been doing is taking some time to read a prophecy from the Old Testament and then relate it to, or show how that prophecy is fulfilled in the story of Jesus's birth. And today, one thing we're going to talk about is King David. So if you were listening closely when we were reading the scripture from earlier, it does say that unto you is born this day in the city of David. So the city of David is named after King David. Um, And we're also told in Matthew chapter one that Jesus is from the line of David. We didn't go through the trouble of looking for an exact prophecy that says he's going to be through the line of David because there are several places where it mentions how David is going to have a branch that becomes king. Right. And he's going to reign in this like powerful way. And so then in the New Testament... They, they talk about how Jesus is through the line of David. Yeah. So today we're not going to point out the specific prophecy, but we, like Emily said, we are going to just talk about who David was and who is this guy? Why is he relevant to this story? Why is it important that Jesus came from his line? Yeah. So Emily, do you want to start us off? Share a little bit about King David? Yeah. So I was talking to Anna about this earlier and I was like, okay, I know who David is. But let's just dive in a little bit more and like kind of list off a little bit about his life. Um, David becomes one of the most, if not the most famous kings of Israel. Mm -hmm. And he also is the author for most of the book of Psalms. And so God loved him so much and called him a man after his own heart. And obviously we know he made some mistakes as well, just like we all do. And they were public Mm -hmm. mistakes. And, um, so that's definitely something I would love to dive into that more on another day. Cause I do think it, it shows what our relationship with God is like, like God sees our heart and it talks about that a lot in his story. But to go back to the very beginning of how he even became King, he was the youngest of eight sons. And so it really doesn't make any sense that he would have become King. In that day, the oldest or one of the oldest would have become king. And it makes no sense that the very youngest of this, you know, group of brothers would have become king. So I'm going to read from 1 Samuel 16. This is kind of where most of David's story is. Verse 1. So the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul since I've rejected him as king over Israel? So let me just pause for a second to say that Samuel is Saul's son. And Saul is, as you just heard, has been like rejected by God as king over Israel because he's not listening to God anymore. Actually, it's so cute. We have (laughs) a like Advent reading that we do with Jones every day. And it literally described it like Saul listened to God to a certain point, but then he stopped listening to God. Like God made him a great king because he was listening and obeying God. But there came a point where he stopped listening to God and only did things for his own personal gain. Mm -hmm. And God said, it's time to find a new king. And so God told Samuel, fill your horn with oil 
and be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I've chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. The Lord said, take a cow with you and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I'll show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said. And when he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. They asked, do you come in peace? Samuel replied, yes, in peace. I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. So I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. Essentially what happens is Jesse's sons all come except for David, the youngest, because they literally assume that there's no way he's invited to this. He's keeping the sheep. He's a shepherd and he's the youngest. It just doesn't make sense. And so anyway, Samuel starts going through all these different people and he's waiting for the Lord to tell him who to anoint with oil as the new king. And I'm going to skip ahead to verse 10. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all of the sons you have? They're still the youngest, Jesse answered. He's tending the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. And then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So that was the process of David being anointed king. If you actually go on to read his story, there's a long process before he actually becomes king Mm -hmm. and Saul does try to kill him and there's all sorts of crazy interesting stuff it's yes it's so much drama but we just thought it was so cool we know that he does become king we know that Bethlehem is his city where the Messiah is born so the fact that Jesus was from his line meant that he was royal And so it's like another symbol of this is your king. This is the Messiah. You also may have heard of David from the David and Goliath story. Same guy. So anyway, we just wanted to tell you about David so that as you're reading this, you can realize the level of intricate detail that went into God's plan for his son, Mm -hmm. the Messiah, to be born in the city of David through the line of David and come as the king to save his people in a unique way. I know. I just love the plan. (laughs) And to realize, like, it's not, it, it all matters. Like, every single word that is written in the Bible is important and even just the fact that like David's mentioned in Matthew in the genealogy genealogy of Jesus, like it's so easy to read that genealogy and be like, all right, this is a lot of names, but now you can have context for at least one of them and know, oh, I know a little bit about David and I understand who this King is and Jesus came. It's like, I don't even know how many greats, but a lot of greats, grandpa (laughs) for Jesus, I guess. Well, I don't know. (laughs) Jesus is the son of God. That's complicated, but he's from the line of David and from the royal line. Yeah. Yeah. Which is important. And the way that David even became king was just so unlikely and it's just directly through God. And I just love how God doesn't play by the book. You never know what he's going to do, but he's so, so good. And I don't have to understand it to, to have that hope and peace and joy. Yep. Well, that's all I have. (laughs) 
Um, I hope that y'all can walk into this Advent week um, just knowing that joy is promised to you no matter what you're walking through and that God is with you no matter what you're walking through. Again, we always challenge y'all to take some extra time this week to just sit and be with God and hear what he has to say. Uh, Emily, will you pray to close us? Yes. God, thank you so much for sending your son and thank you for not being what we expect, but being so much better. We love you and we look to you during this season. And I pray that you would just fill this week with the joy that we have in Jesus that we get to experience in our lives. So thank you for your son and we love you. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen. Next week is Christmas Eve. I know. (laughs) I literally can't believe it. It's been flying. So Christmas Eve falls on a Sunday this year and it is the fourth week of Advent. We're going to talk about love. Don't forget to check back in next week. Share the podcast with your friends and we love you so much. Bye. See ya.